BakerBots LLP provides podcasts for educational purposes only. They are not legal advice. This communication may constitute attorney advertising. Welcome to the Environmental Evolution Podcast, where we explore the changing landscape of environmental law and policy. I'm your host, Megan Birch, coming to you from San Diego, California. Today, I'm joined by the environmental group's own Julie Kress from our San Francisco office. Julie previously joined the podcast to discuss the kickoff of the California Air Resources Board, which we're going to call CARB today, process for amending its low-carbon fuel standards. We're going to call that one the LCFS. Julie is back with us today to give us an update on CARB's process and Spoiler alert, there are significant updates relevant to traditionally favored biofuels like renewable natural gas and renewable diesel. But before we get started, as a quick reminder to listeners, the LCFS sets annual carbon intensity standards, which decline annually with the goal of reducing carbon intensity of transportation fuels used in California. In 2020 and 2021, LCFS credit transfers were valued at over $4 billion. So this is a big deal. For a more detailed level set on the LCFS, please listen in to Julie's prior podcast, Changes Are Coming to the California LCFS. And while you're there, you could also hear Julie on California 101. Julie, thank you for joining us today and for coming back on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Megan. I'm happy to be here. All right, Julie, let's get started. What has happened since our last podcast episode? Since our last episode, CARB has held two additional workshops discussing their proposed or their thoughts on what the proposed amendments will be to the low carbon fuel standard. So they held one workshop in August and one just recently in November. In addition to that, CARB recently released its final scoping plan which is set for adoption during a public hearing in December. And the reason why that's important is because the scoping plan sets the framework for the carbon neutrality targets in California, greenhouse gas reduction goals for California as a state. But it also has some specific direction for the low carbon fuel standard and CARB staff have continuously expressed reliance on the scoping plan for determining what changes will come out in this next rulemaking process. What does the scoping plan tell us in terms of the future of the LCFS? So the scoping plan includes a limited discussion on the future of the LCFS. And in fact, it mainly touts the successes of the program thus far. Megan, you mentioned the large investment that has been put forth with the LCFS. And CARB has been widely complimentary of the success of the program. But the scoping plan focuses on a few key changes to the program, largely driven by Governor Newsom instructing the agency to make it more stringent to further the carbon neutrality goals of California. And that includes accelerating the carbon intensity targets pre-2030, including further carbon intensity declines for post-2030, an integration of other opt-in sectors to the program, and then also including credits for hydrogen and electricity for heavy-duty fueling. 
So we've seen CARB touch on these topics in some of the first workshops, and we'll see more of that as we move forward through the rulemaking process. Julie, you mentioned that there's been two workshops since we last talked. And just for everyone who's not regularly practicing in California, workshops are what CARB calls these public hearings that it routinely has to engage with the public on updates for what it's doing and where it's going. And they're really quite iterative, which is why you learn something new every time they put one of these things on. Yeah, that's right, Megan. It's really an opportunity for CARB to get stakeholder feedback early in the game before they actually draft and before they release the formal rulemaking language. And I know you've had the opportunity to monitor and participate in both of the recent workshops. So can you give us a rundown on what you gleaned from them? Sure. So like I said, there was an August workshop and there was a November workshop. In the August workshop, staff presented a series of concepts for public comment, including topics related to streamlining the pathway application process, a concept for truing up credits for temporary pathways, and then the potential development of a tier one hydrogen calculator. And for those of you who are in the weeds and if you'll know what that means, but it's in general, a tier one calculator is the application for a fuel pathway that is more streamlined and doesn't require a full life cycle analysis for pathways to be certified. And there were other implementation changes, including emission factor updates and verification updates. And a lot of those discussion items for that workshop in August got into the weeds of the program, but there's a couple that I thought were particularly interesting The first being the credit true-up that I mentioned. In 2018, CARB proposed and adopted new language that prohibited retroactive credit generation. What that meant was that if you discovered that your actual CI for your operation was less than what your fuel pathway certified CI was, you would think that would generate more credits, but the revised language wouldn't allow you to retroactively generate credits, even though the emission reduction benefits were actually there. And so what CARB is proposing with these new amendments is to provide a true-up mechanism for the use in the temporary pathway process. But during the workshop, there were stakeholders that proposed a wider reach for that true-up concept so that all pathway holders could take advantage of it. And CARB seemed amenable to considering that concept. So that would enhance and further incentivize the enhancement of production processes so that you can further lower your CI score based off your operational CI and be able to generate credits for periods of high performance or otherwise where your CI may be lower than originally anticipated during the original certification process and you would be able to generate credits during that process. Moving on to the November workshop, the November workshop was very interesting In that, I think we learned a lot more for where CARB is anticipating it's going to go. They presented several modeling scenarios indicating what CARB anticipates will be in its ultimate proposal. First being the CI targets. So CARB proposed three modeling scenarios, all of which model a 90% 
carbon intensity reduction by 2045. But where they differ in the three scenarios is the speed in which those reductions come between now and 2030. So one of the scenarios models a 25% reduction in CI by 2030. And just to level set, the current regulation is set at a 20% reduction in CI by 2030. So the first scenario is 25%. The second percent is 30% by 2030. And then the third modeling scenario would see a 35% reduction in CI by 2030. That's a 15% increase. That's not nothing. And less than a decade. Pretty significant, yes. And so they acknowledge that it's pretty aggressive and would require a lot of things coming together for that to happen. We'll see what the modeling turns up and where they actually go. So there are some key assumptions that play into the modeling that CARB plans to conduct for these amendments, some of which send some striking market signals just by their mention at the workshop. I'm talking about modeling assumptions based off of restrictions on credit generation for crop-based fuel and biomethane. Wow, Julie, that's really striking considering that these two fuel sources have been really at the heart of some of the the major climate policies put forward by California and EPA. Yeah, Megan, that's exactly right. Let's just dive in a little bit on those two. Okay, so with biomethane crediting, this is a big one and one which has already generated widespread attention. The biomethane or renewable natural gas produces the lowest CI scores in the program, which means that these projects are significant drivers of investment. And that's why CARB's recent proposals at the workshop have generated a lot of attention. So at the last workshop in November, CARB floated the concept of saving out biomethane crediting. Two of the modeling scenarios that were proposed include elimination of any new pathways for avoided methane by 2030 and a complete phase out of existing fuel pathways for biomethane by 2040. So this would mean that projects without approved pathways come 2030, would not be able to generate LCFS credits, and there would be a complete elimination of any credit generation for biomethane by 2040. The other avenue CARB intends to amend is with respect to a geographic limitation on credit generation where book and claim accounting is used. Book and claim accounting at its very basic, is a mechanism that allows for the indirect accounting of biomethane when it's injected into a common carrier pipeline, but without the requirement to demonstrate that there's a direct delivery path of that fuel to California. CARB is proposing to restrict this, the use of book and claim for RNG, and that would mean that starting in 2025, book and claim for RNG use as a transportation fuel would be limited to projects that currently supply California through a Western natural gas network, which is what CARB has expressed it at, even though that term is not defined. Then by 2030, a potential limitation on landfill gas book and claim to only be allowed to be used if it's used for the production of hydrogen. So this is a significant departure from the historical low carbon fuel center program and it could be significant for the myriad planned and dreamed projects throughout the country, especially those that are outside of the Western region. And especially at a time when, like you said, Megan, there's federal policy 
that is incentivizing these projects. There's federal funds that are incentivizing these projects. If they continue down this pathway, there's going to be a very lively and interesting discussion about what constitutes the Western Natural Gas Network. Yes, yes, definitely. And the other big change that I wanted to mention is a potential limitation on credit generation for crop-based fuels. During the most recent workshop, CARB signaled that it would be proposing limiting credit generation for crop-based fuels. This would be diesel fuels produced from virgin oils, including soybean oil, corn oil, canola oil, and white grease. So two of the scenarios model limiting that credit generation. And the third scenario would keep things as the status quo. So currently those types of fuels like renewable diesel are are not subject to credit generation limitations under the low carbon fuel standard. But the two model, two scenarios that, that are going to be modeled would limit those. And then the other two things I wanted to mention that came out in the November workshop in terms of assumptions for the modeling include medium and heavy duty infrastructure crediting. So the scoping plan has directed or suggests that there will be provisions related to the medium and heavy duty vehicle infrastructure crediting and CARB is modeling three scenarios, two of which would limit the total infrastructure crediting pool. So we'll see where that goes. And then a few other assumptions that I think are interesting that are being modeled. First, one related to forklifts. We discussed this at the last workshop, CARB seems to be signaling that they're going to completely eliminate credit generation for electric forklifts. Another is that fossil fuel jet fuel will be considered a deficit generating fuel. We also discussed that last time, but CARB seems to be signaling that that is in the books as all three modeling scenarios say that fossil jet will be a deficit generating fuel. And then a potential for phasing out petroleum project crediting with one model scenario, including a complete phase out by 2040 and another modeling scenario with a complete phase out by 2025. So those are projects that refineries do at their facilities to create more efficiency, to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions. And there are certain projects that are eligible for project-specific credit generation of the LCFS and CARB is considering eliminating that ability. So you've had a lot to report. Yeah, no small things here. No small things, minor details. Okay, Julie, what are the next steps for CARB? Well, as I mentioned, the scoping plan is set to be adopted uh, in December. We will see further workshops for the low carbon fuel standard as we move into early 2023. The current public comment period is open until December 21st with respect to what was proposed at the November workshop. And in fact, CARB just released additional information on their modeling approach, as well as an FAQ document related to that modeling. I want to emphasize this for listeners. There's an opportunity to submit comments until December 21st, if I heard you correctly. That's right, Megan. The original deadline was December 9th, and then they released more documentation and information. And so they extended that comment period to December 21st. So if you want to weigh in, now's the time. Exactly. And beyond that, we will wait to hear from CARB as to the next public workshops likely to come in early 2023 with a formal rulemaking proposal coming out sometime later in 2023. And I'm sure we'll have you back to talk about those. 
Julie, thank you so very much for joining me today. Thank you, Megan. And as always, love having a chance to speak with you and I'll be happy to come back. You say that, but little do you know that I actually prepared a pop quiz for you. Yes, because it's the holiday spirit. This is being recorded pretty close to the upcoming holidays. So I thought that instead of asking you for a practical tip today, I would actually ask you to take a stab at answering a California Christmas question. So here's what we've got. The Grove Christmas tree is lit every year at the Grove in Los Angeles, California. And in 2002, it was the tallest Christmas tree in the Los Angeles area and attracted about 90,000 visitors. So I hear. Julie, how tall is the Grove Christmas tree? 75 feet, 95 feet, or 100 feet? Oh, I love the multiple choice. Thank you so much. I'm going to go up the middle with 95 feet. So close. Very good choice. But it is approximately 100 feet tall. And apparently that is taller than the Christmas tree at Rockefeller Center, East Coast representing. All right, Julie, thank you again for listeners. For more information on the LCFS workshops, our episode notes include a link to CARB's site, as well as Julie's contact information. With that, I'm Megan Burge, wishing everyone a safe and happy holiday. Thank you for spending time. Thank you for listening to this BakerBots podcast. For more information on BakerBots practices, please visit us at bakerbots.com. For over 180 years, through 13 offices in nine countries, BakerBots has the experience, knowledge, and people to solve our clients' most significant legal issues. This presentation is provided by BakerBots LLP for educational and informational purposes only. It is not legal advice. Under the rules of certain jurisdictions, this communication may constitute attorney advertising.